Welcome to another inspirational message from Northwest Church. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information on what your next step may be, please visit our website at northwestchurch.com.au. There's a new song out that Bella was showing me in the pre-chorus or the bridge or something, whatever they call them, is no one, no one, no one, no one, no one, Lord, but you. Repeat, no one, no one, no one, no one, no one, Lord, but you. Repeat, no one, no one, no one. And I said to Bells, Bells, do you ever feel like God goes, I get it, guys, I get it, no one but me, I get it. And she said to me, well, mum, my mate said to me at school that he went to a Pentecostal church and they sang the chorus over and over and over again. So if you're here tonight and you're wondering why we sing the same line over and over again, when we sing a song like, you're never gonna let me down, we're reminding ourselves that no matter who has let us down, that God will never, ever let us down, that my ex-husband might have let me down, my ex-wife might have let me down, my boss might have let me down, my kids might have let me down, but you are never going to let me down. And we say, you are good. We're declaring that over our present situation. We're declaring that over our future, over our children's future, that you are good. So if you were wondering why we sang that song over and over, that's why. And we're glad tonight to be able to declare that kind of thing. Well, tonight, um, if you don't know me, my name's Bron, married to Daz, and, uh, and I'm preaching a message tonight that's a little bit different. I realise that I've preached this message around a bit in different churches, but never in our own. And so it's a little bit different. It's a little bit anecdotal, but it comes from the book of Ruth. So if you're wondering, is she going to open the scriptures? It is all completely from the book of Ruth. And I want to encourage you because I'm going to kind of narrate it a little bit tonight. Uh, I would encourage you to go home and read the book of Ruth. It's a very small book and uh, you can read it this week, no problem at all. And it'll give you a greater insight into the message tonight. Um, But first of all, You would have heard portions and excerpts of this if you've known me for any length of time. Uh, But if you haven't, I'm just going to assume no knowledge tonight. And so a couple of years ago, I had a real doozy of a year. You know, I've always been that person that has really great years and you get to the end of the year and people put up on social media, I had a bad year this year, can't wait for the next year. And I'm like, oh... Should should I make something up? Like, it's been a really great year, but I feel bad. I don't want to be that person that no one wants to read their social media because I had such a great year. Should I make something up that something bad happened? I don't really do that. Um, I just, is everyone okay here tonight? (laughs) We're good. We're good. We're relaxed. We're good. Okay, great. Um, So I had one of those years. I had a melanoma in my arm and uh, they had to do exploratory surgery. I had to get a couple of lymph nodes out uh, at the start of the year. I kind of had had three relationships that I never thought would break down, break down. One was a friendship that I thought would last forever, that would kind of be one of those ones that you get to heaven and you're still friends with that person. That broke down. Um, My um, husband's brother's marriages broke down, which would, in and of themselves, that would have been awful. But one of them was married to my sister, which made it even more difficult. And uh, it was just one of those really tough years. But in the midst of it all, something happened that kind of dramatically changed our lives. And what happened was that my sister had come up for Easter. And uh, my sister's a great woman and she kind of had come up with her little kids and we kind of, in the midst of everything that had been going on, went, kids, just have the run of the house. So they've got cubbies going everywhere, there's blankets everywhere, um, making, you know, houses everywhere. And, um, And Jill and I were just spending some good time together. And it was Easter, so it was crazy and busy and crazy even in church life. Uh, We had our Good Friday service at the lookout and then we ran into Sunday. And I said to Daz, because Jill was heading to my mum's after um, Sunday church, I said to Daz, 
Daz, I just need some time. Like, can we just get away even just for 24 hours? And he said, yes, no worries. Let's go to Port. We'll just go for 24 hours. And so we kind of packed the car before we even left for church. The house was a bomb. And, uh, and, and so we jumped in the car, went to Port Macquarie, spent 24 hours there and came back. We got back to home, looked at the house and realised what we'd left. And uh, Daz went to um, clean the car. In fact, Daz is actually a much better tidier than me. He's actually can make the house look really good really quickly. But it needed kind of that deep clean because the kids had had it for a week. And, uh, and so I, I said, no, you go do the car, I'll do the house. And um, I had this thing going at the time whereby once I cleaned a room and made it spotless, I'd leave a scented candle there. And, uh, and then I'd go to the next room and I'd um, clean that and leave a central candle in there. And then I'd get to the end of cleaning all the rooms and then I'd go around and blow them all out. Now, it's a thing. I read about it. Okay, it's not weird. Um, that's how they sell Febreze because people had this sense of accomplishment when they sprayed the Febreze at the end of cleaning that room. So I was like, it's a thing. And, uh, and so I went and, and when I lit the candle in the laundry, I thought that's on its last legs. Um, must keep an eye on that. And then Daz rushed into the house and said, Bron, it's Dan's 40th. We've got to go right now. And so we left the house. Now, our house, we were renting in, a, in, a, in an arrangement. And the person who owned the house was sitting with us at the 40th. And in truth, I kind of just had enough of the social gathering. And so I said to Daz, oh, Daz, we've got to get home. You see, I'm an introvert really at heart. I know that that doesn't come across, but I actually am. And I said, oh, Daz, we've got to get home. I've left that candle burning. And the person that owned the house said, oh, Bron, don't worry about it. It's insured. Don't worry. And so, oh, we'll stay. Yay. Let's stay for a long time. And, uh, and then we eventually decided to go. And I had a few missed calls on my phone. And I just had that sinking feeling. And, uh, and then as we were going home, the police called and said, do you live in Hibiscus Way? And I said, yes. And this is what we arrived home to. I think there's a video that we can see. That's what we arrived home to. And that's our house. You can't see, but the blinds are actually melted. And they are the firefighters that went into our house to check that no one was home. And uh, the, you can't see there, but the garage door's actually blown out from the heat. That's the blinds melted down the windows. And, and that, everything got real really quickly. And uh, we, at that point, it was dark and I was getting questioned in the driveway as to how that fire might have started, um, which I said, I don't have a clue. No, I didn't. I told them exactly what had happened. But we had, we had people, we had Ash and Matt Cramp going to Coles here to buy us undies because we just didn't even know what we had to walk away with. And we uh, went actually to Mick and Mia's who owned the house and they put us up for the night. And, and it was just, it, it was like this, this whirlwind crazy time. It was this, it, it, one of those things that you never think will happen to you. Now, God bless my dear husband, who is maybe the best man in the world. In that, he said, Bron, no one ever needs to know how this fire started. We don't need to tell this story. If we could just flick to the newspaper article the next day, caused by candle left a light. And... Uh, <laughs> So because he was being so generous and said, well, do you, like, you know, you don't have to let anyone know. And people would say, well, who left the candle light? I just said, Daz, because he wanted to. No, I didn't. I, I told the truth, obviously. But it was there. It was out there. And Tamworth is not so large yet that people don't know stuff and that there's not just a few degrees of separation and people will ask you questions. And, and so everyone obviously would ask about the fire. And, uh, and it was just, yeah, it was a bit of a horrific time. So, pause. Let's go to Ruth for a second. 
Ruth is a book of a pretty horrific time. You've got a man called Elimelech and a woman called Naomi in the land of Judah and there's a famine in the land and, and they go to the land of Moab to find some food. Now, I'm not saying that they're the only family that did that. That would be a very natural thing to do. But they also clearly took matters into their own hands. There's no record of a mass exodus of people leaving Judah to go to Moab to find food. So they were clearly in the minority. So here, Elimelech and Naomi go with their two sons, Milion and Kilion, into the land of Moab to try and set up a life for themselves. Now, I wonder when they went there, if they thought, you know what, we'll be fine. We'll just keep worshipping the God that we worship. We'll just do it at home. Sure, we won't be able to go to temple anymore. Sure, we won't be able to gather with the believers anymore. But we'll just do it at home. We'll just keep going at home. You know, they, they knew that the abhorrent practices of the worship of the God Chemosh, that that wouldn't satisfy them, that that wouldn't be okay. So they probably thought, well, we'll just keep worshipping the one true God at home. And away they went. Now, we know this, if you know the story of Ruth, what ended up happening was that not only did they not stay separate from the people of Moab, they allowed their sons to marry into the Moabite people, which was expressly forbidden in the law. If we go to Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 3, it says, No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of God even up till the 10th generation. And so there was an express non-provision made for these people. And, and if you're at Shine, you heard kind of the background to that. But, but they had let stuff go so much that they actually allowed their children or got wives for their children amongst these people that they were supposed to stay separate from. So my first point tonight is catch stuff early. Catch stuff early. You know, I, I'm sure that they didn't go in thinking, we'll get wives for our sons. They went in thinking probably, we need food, we can't starve, but let's just keep separate from the people that are there. Catch stuff early. You know what everyone said to me about the fire? Praise God, Bron, praise God that you weren't home. And I'm like, yeah, praise God. On the outside and on the inside, I'm like, if I was home, I would have done this. <laughs> and there's no more story to be told. You know, maybe it would have been when I, I, I put some dirty clothes in the laundry that I saw it and quickly blew it out. Maybe it would have been when I smelt something as the fire licked up the wall or, and then I would have thrown a bucket of water or something and put it out. Or maybe the smoke alarm would have gone off and then I would have put it out. Or maybe it would have been when it burnt through the wall and, and, and got into the laundry cupboard where there was methyl and terps and cleaning chemicals and it blew the laundry window out. Maybe then I would have realised something was going on. But it would have been before strangers needed to come into my home. Strangers needed to come into my yard and get my dogs and throw them over the fence. And if you knew Doug, Bruce, that was a feat indeed. Bruce could have eaten their face off and it would have been my fault. <laughs> I don't blame you, Bruce. Doug's gone now. <laughs> but, sorry. Bruce looked after our dog. Our dog ran away. We blame Bruce. <laughs> We're actually so grateful to Bruce that Doug ran away. That dog was a menace. But anyway, people came into our house and strangers came into our house. Our neighbours had to throw over a hose to keep just enough moisture. The fireys say that they, they, the neighbours actually saved our house, that, that the low-lying smoke had gotten to a point where it was so intense, the heat, that it only needed one more point of ventilation before the whole thing would have combusted. Fireys went into our house, risked their lives to check room from room to make sure that nobody was home. 
all these people in our house, in our stuff, and then insurance companies and, and the people that the insurance companies outsource to and the people that the insurance companies outsource to that outsource to the other people, they all came into our home and they got in our stuff all because we didn't catch something early. And I want to say to you here tonight that Elimelech and Naomi, they thought they were going to a place where they could keep a lid on things. But very rarely when we just start to dabble, can we keep a lid on things? And I wonder tonight, if there's a text that makes you a little bit too happy when you receive it, or if there's an attitude that you have where you just roll your eyes every time that person walks into the room, or if there's some kind of relationship where you just look way too forward to seeing that person, then you actually should. What I want to tell you tonight is catch stuff early. Don't let it go to the point where you need external intervention to come in and to fix things up because you can just do this and that thing will stop right there if you'll catch it early. Catch stuff early. Naomi and Elimelech, they didn't catch it early. Proverbs chapter 24 verse 37 says, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest and poverty will come upon you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. This suggests it's just a little bit of relaxing around the edges and you're only, as Daz says, three or four decisions away from ruin. A little sleep, just a little bit of relaxing. But stay on high alert when it comes to our soul because it's needed. James chapter 1 verse 14 to 16 says, Temptations come from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. Oh, the devil's tempting me. No, temptation comes from your own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters, suggesting that we can be deceived that we can say, no, this is okay. No, this is all right. This texting relationship is fine. This chat room relationship is okay. No, 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 no. It's dragging you away. We need to catch stuff early. Catch stuff early. What is the Holy Spirit prompting you to catch tonight? Because he's speaking to every single one of us. Is it an attitude where this is your face when the phone call comes through from that person? How are you going? Is there an attitude that you have about a person? Is there an eye roll? Is there a two looking forward to? Is there, is, there a, is, it, is there an ugliness that's there? Catch stuff early. Lift your eyes, number two, lift your eyes. You see, when the fire happened, I wanted to probably just retreat to a cave. I didn't want to come to church because everyone was asking a lot of questions. I wanted to go to a cave on a desert island that was surrounded by sharks where someone airlifted in chocolate to me regularly and just sit in my cave. I'm just eating chocolate. That was gross. <laughs> but, but you know what? There was so much good going on. You all, my church family, you showed yourself the heart of you was unbelievable. We'd never been so blessed. It took us being in a position that we could never have foreseen to see how beautiful our church family was just coming over and over to bless us. You know, Gay Moore, she went to our house and grabbed a heap of our smoky clothes and spent all day just scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing them and then convinced the emergency accommodation people to let her in to just hang them in the wardrobe so that when I got home that day from work, they, they were my stuff in the, lounge, in, the, in the wardrobe. Oh, it was so beautiful. But story like that was repeated and repeated over and over again. People just loving on us. I just needed to lift my eyes. 
you know, what happened to Naomi was devastating. Her husband dies and, and then her sons die as well. Her sons have married to the Moabite women, Orpah and, Na- and uh, Ruth rather, and Milion and Kilion die as well. So Naomi says, well, I've got to go back home. I've got nothing here. And she begins the journey back to Judah. Now, at some point on the seven to 10 day journey back to Judah, she obviously realizes that she's in the place of danger. And so she says to her daughters-in-law, girls, you've got to go home. I, I, you can't come with me. Deuteronomy 23.3, no Ammonite or Moabite can ever enter the assembly of God. You will not be accepted there. You're not going to be able to come with me. You need to go home. And, uh, and they cry and they cling to her. And, um, and then she says, no, no, I'm serious. You, you see, there's a 2,000 feet climb into Bethlehem where I live. And, and girls, you're used to the Moabite plains and you do not have the quads for it. And you're not going to make it. It's, it's really steep. And, and, and also you... You, you just, you haven't, you know, there's a, there's a purity thing that our people value and, and Moab with their whole worship and worship practices, detestable worship practices, that's kind of not as, as much of a big deal to your people. So I think you're going to make a better match if, if you stay here. Um, that's not in the Bible, okay? I'm just fleshing out the headlines, okay? But, but she says, just go home. So Orpah says, okay, she kisses her and she goes. And then Ruth says the famous line that we always hear at weddings, No, Naomi, your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Where you live, I will live. And where you die, I will die. Which is a little bit random, right, that it's read out at weddings. Imagine if I'm marrying Ben and Faith and and Faith, I say, Faith, I just want you to declare something. And then I grab Fiona Longmire, her mother-in-law, future mother-in-law, and bring her up and say, Faith, just talk to Fiona right now. And she says, your people will be my people and your God will be my." Is it not just a little bit random that we read that out at weddings when it's a declaration to the mother-in-law? No, no one else finds it random. Okay, so we get to Judah and Naomi's relatives run out to meet her. They say, Naomi, Naomi, can it be you? And she says, no, don't call me Naomi. Naomi means pleasant. Call me Mara because the Lord has dealt bitterly with me and now... I am bitter. Mara means bitter. You know, your circumstance that you're going through right now is meant to change you, but it's never meant to name you. And Naomi allowed the circumstance that was in going, able to refine her to name her. And I don't know what it is that you're going through right now. I implore you, let it change you, let it refine you, let it do all the things that God wants to do in you, but do not let it name you. Do not let this circumstance or this season that you're going through name you. And you see, Naomi had the opportunity, even in the midst of her circumstance, to say, you know what, I would say that the Lord's dealt bitterly with me, but for Ruth... Ruth is the sweetest, most tenacious relative that I ever could have wished for. She's the daughter that I never had. She's been with me this whole time on the seven to 10 day journey. She even pushed me up the hill, my frail old bones up the hill to Jerusalem. She is incredible. I'm so blessed to have her. But instead she let the circumstance name her. So we need to lift our eyes in the midst of our circumstance. What is it that you can name that is actually good about your circumstance? What is it that God is doing in you and through you in the midst of your circumstance? Psalm chapter 3 verse 3 says this, that you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the lifter of my head. And if today you find yourself downcast, you found yourself, woe is me, you found yourself tired and laid out, imagine God this morning just lifting your head 
just lifting your head and focusing your eyes upward. You see, Daz had a bulging disc in his neck last year. And we went to a doctor for him to get some drugs because he can't stand pain. And, and the doctor said, what you need to do is imagine a rope coming out the top of your head and just let it elongate you. Let it align your posture. So tonight, let's do it. Just imagine a rope pulling the top of your head and pulling you upward. I just saw everyone's posture just change. Everyone's shoulders just went back a little bit. Everyone just stared the day in the face a little bit more. And he is the lifter of our head. He's just realigning our posture. He's just causing us to throw our shoulders back and walk into tomorrow with faith and confidence in Jesus' name. He, we need to lift our eyes. Number four, what you follow follows you. What you follow follows you. You see, we had to throw the privacy policy out the window when we moved to a small uh, three-bedroom home. Yeah, we're so blessed. We, we have an ensuite, which I never experienced on the farm that I grew up on. But at our house that I burnt down, we did have one. And, and so then all of a sudden we didn't have one because we had to make the insurance rent money stretch as far as possible. So we went with a smaller house that didn't have any heating. And actually you could see the floor, well, actually the ground through the bathroom planter box. That was a design fault. And, uh, and it was freezing, so cold. But you know what? Daz had set the tone of our household so that we were full of faith-filled optimism. That's that's actually part of our church's cultural values. We believe in faith-filled optimism, that that we believe that God sees through the lens of faith, hope and love, and so we should as well. But he didn't just set that for our church's cultural values. He set that for our home's cultural values. So that at one point, one of our kids was whinging about something and Lockie said, hey, Steer your ship to positivity. And it's such a cultural value in our home. Why? Because even before any kind of detrimental thing happened, Daz had set that tone way back when. So you're setting a tone right now. And what you're following is going to follow you one day. And are you setting the kind of thing that you want to follow you in time? I'm going to go to some rabbinical history now. So if you're asking me, where's that in the Bible? I'll be up front. It's not, okay? This is rabbinical literature, whereby Orpah, Orpah is actually her Jewish name. Her Moabite name is Harafu. Orpah means nape of the neck. So the Jews call her Orpah because she turned away from Naomi and gave Naomi and Ruth the nape of her neck as she walked away. A bit of rabbinical literature about Orpah. She wasn't actually Oprah's dyslexic ancestor. She was actually the daughter of King Eglon. And so when Eglon, the Moabite king, married her off to a Jewish boy, he was hoping to make some kind of political alliance. Well, when Orpah turned away from Ruth and Naomi and they went back to Judah, she went back to her home and her father Eglon then arranged a marriage for her with the Philistine king of Gath. And upon marrying the Philistine king of Gath, she had four large sons. Ishbebinob? Anyone pregnant? That's a word for you tonight. Your next child. Saf, Lami, and her fourth son, Goliath. So Harafu went back to a home. Her father organized another political alliance with the Philistine, and she then had four sons, the last one being Goliath. Now, spoiler alert for the book of Ruth. Ruth goes into Judah, and amazing things happen. She marries a man called Boaz. She has a son called Obed, who has a son called Jesse, who has a son called David. Now over here, what followed, what Orpah followed, followed her and this Philistine 
giant yelled out with scorn and derision against the people of Israel and the God of Israel. But over here, what Ruth followed, followed her. And David, a young man, rose up against someone treating the people of Israel and the God of Israel with scorn and derision. And with bravery and fight in him and courage, he took off the head of that giant. Orpah followed something that led to a, a giant scornful mocker. David, I mean, Ruth followed something that led to an awesome giant slayer. So what you follow, follows you. You will leave a legacy. It's up to you which one you leave. It's happening regardless. But you have the opportunity to be intentional about the kind of legacy that you leave. I'm going to finish in just a moment. So the last point is the Redeemer redeems because that's what he does. You know the story, if you were here in church last Sunday morning, whereby Mick and Mia, who owned the house that I wrecked, came around and said, Bron, we want you to choose the colours for the rebuild of the house. And I said, well, one, I don't really, I've never done anything like that before. Two, I'm not very good at it. At it. Daz is kind of our resident family interior designer, as well as being an incredibly manly man. <laughs> He knows colours and stuff. And this goes with that. And um, But he actually is really quite awesome at it. And I said, I don't know that. And plus, it's your house. You, you need to choose the colours. Like, we're just renting. We'll go one day and, and you need to rent it to someone else. And they said, well, no, actually, that's a thing God's spoken to us. And we believe that once a house is rebuilt, it's yours. And so the Redeemer redeems. Here was, here was this moment in which we were bereft, we were displaced, we were crazy, not knowing what was happening. And then in the next moment, we get given a house. That doesn't happen to Bron from Tamworth. I'm just letting you know. That's not normal. That's If you're visiting this church for the first time tonight, it's not just a Pentecostal church thing that happens to the pastors all the time. It doesn't happen. It's crazy. It, it shocked us and enabled us to know that God was in our circumstance even before I'd wrecked it. For Ruth, you know, she marries Boaz and he redeems her family name. He redeems her family line. He redeems her family property. Everything that was now taken from her is given back to her. Why? Because our God is a redeemer. It's who he is. It's what he does. And so I don't know... I don't know what it is that you're going through, but I do know his story and it's one of redemption. Job, a book of the Bible which is found in the poetry section and I don't know what you make of that, but this guy had a terrible life. Everything's stolen from him. And so he said these words. Let's put them up on the screen. Oh, that my words could be recorded. Oh, that they could be inscribed on a monument carved with an iron chisel and filled with lead engraved forever in the rock because he was just having, like, he, his life was terrible. He says, but as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives and he will stand upon the earth at last. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body, I will see God. I will see him for myself. Yes, I will see him with my own eyes. I'm overwhelmed at the thought. So in the midst of this man sitting down by a campfire, scraping the boils with shards of pottery, like it's a gross picture. He's saying, hey, hey, hey. It's still a redemptive story. 
No matter what it looks like right now, no matter what it looks like with me, with my pussy boils right now, with no friends and no children left, this is still a redemptive story. And I wonder if tonight you could look at your story, whatever season you're in, and say, hey, it's still a redemptive story. I wonder if you can look back and say, in the midst of that moment, I was wondering what would happen. But now you can stand and say, oh God, at work the whole time, it is a redemptive story. Wherever you stand, sit right now, yours is a redemptive story. Why? Because He's a Redeemer. Let's come to our feet tonight. God wants to start this redemption right now. And if you don't know Jesus, if you have not made Him your Lord and Saviour, if you haven't taken that step from just believing in Jesus to receiving Jesus, then tonight is the night that you can do that. And He wants to start redeeming everything about your story. So tonight I'm going to pray for two groups of people. The first prayer I'm going to ask you to repeat after me because it's a prayer saying, Jesus, I don't want to just believe in you. I want to receive you. And then the next prayer is just a prayer to say, God, I'm just going to actually just pray through the points that I preached tonight. So firstly, if you could pray after me and if you haven't prayed this prayer, if you haven't made Jesus your Lord and Saviour, then I ask you to pray this from the bottom of your heart. Dear Jesus, Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I don't want to go my own way anymore. I want to go your way. I want to make you Lord and Saviour of my life. I want to follow after you all my days. Help me do that, Jesus. I surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm just going to pray. Mighty God, tonight we believe that you quicken scenarios and situations to our heart that, Lord, we need to arrest. And so, Lord, we submit those to you. We repent of them, Lord. We say we don't want to keep going there, God. We want to change. We want to catch stuff early. Lord, help us, quicken us. Holy Spirit, prompt us when we need to change the way that we're doing things in Jesus' name. Almighty God, I pray that we would lift our eyes to see all that you're doing and working in our life. Lord, don't let us be downcast constantly, but Lord, be the lifter of our head here tonight. Straighten our back, throw our shoulders back in the name of Jesus and let us look at tomorrow full in the face and know that we have a God who is a Redeemer in Jesus' name. Mighty God, I pray that we would begin to set the kind of legacy that You would have us set. Lord, we don't want to be the tipping point generation into oblivion, God. We want to be the tipping point generation, Lord, into a full and flourishing future. A full and flourishing future in Jesus' name. Mighty God, Lord, we just submit to You because You are the Redeemer. You are the Redeemer. Yours is a redemptive story. So that means that ours is a redemptive story. And Lord, we declare Your redemptive work in our situation right now, right here, right now. The locust has not stolen everything. Everything is not lost because Lord, You are the Redeemer. We trust You, we believe You. And if you believe it, give Him a huge shout of praise and a hand tonight. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring faith, or a follower of Jesus, there is a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued, and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to northwestchurch.com.au. And thanks again for listening.